Resurface is a podcast presented to you by me, your host, Emily Utrup. In each episode, I'll talk to athletes and industry leaders who have faced adversity. And through shared vulnerability, I'll explore the mental and emotional challenges they have faced and discover the strategies they have used to not only bounce back, but to come back stronger than ever. I want to motivate and inspire you to show your vulnerability, acknowledge your fears, and to follow your dreams. Kelsey, welcome to Resurface Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. I'm excited for a little chat. This is great. Yes. I know. I, w- I was like, am I awake? I think I'm awake. <laughs> uh, what time is it there? Uh, it's 8 a.m. Oh, okay. So we're bright and early. Bright and early. Yeah. So yeah. It, w- it was nice to just kind of get up and have a morning. Kelsey, I'm really happy you wanted to be part of, of this podcast. Um, you are, just to tell a little bit about you, your former professional snowboarder. You had an accident that kind of changed your life. We'll get more into that. Maybe you can also just introduce yourself a little bit to to the listeners. Yeah, no, I, I mean, you nailed it. Yeah, Kelsey Boyer. Uh, I am a snowboarder and I am based out of Salt Lake City, Utah. I think we should just kind of dig straight into it and uh, and hear about you and hear about your story. I'm super interested to to hear about your, first of all, your snowboard career, how it all started, when it started. So maybe you can just uh, run us through it. Yeah, a little, little flashback. Uh, <laughs> let's see, I lived, I grew up in Pennsylvania, kind of middle of nowhere Amish country um, in the sticks. And I lived 10 minutes down the street from a little ski resort called Bear Creek. And my older sister was a snowboarder. So of course, I wanted to do what she was always doing. And my dad just kind of made it work and would take us up to the mountain literally every day after school. Uh, ended up sticking with me. My sister stopped snowboarding. I kept going. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just kind of started doing the local circuit of contest, and that's when I was like, I really like this. Like, I, how old were you there? Uh, I literally this came out the other day with my dad. I was like, how like how old was I when I started snowboarding? I like don't even remember, but he says twelve. So yeah, started snowboarding when I was twelve, and yeah, pretty much just like became obsessed with it. You just had this vision. Did you just always know that, oh, I want to be a professional snowboarder. I just want to live over this. Yeah. I don't know. It just like, it kind of just like felt right. And I never really knew what the path would look like. Obviously I went for the slope style contest and that's where I was like, oh, I like love doing rails and jumps and I'm just going to focus on that. But Pennsylvania can only offer so much Mm -hmm. in that, you know, we don't get a lot of snow. So that was kind of like once I graduated high school, I was like, I need to move out west. That's where things will work. And I don't know anybody out there and I don't know how it's going to work, but I'm just going to figure it out. So once I graduated, I ended up applying for a job at a summer snowboard camp called Wendell's. And I just applied to be a camp counselor, got hired and immediately just graduated, packed up my life and drove to Oregon and just kind of was like, I don't know where I'm headed after this, but I'm not driving back east was what I told myself. And everybody at the camp worked uh, or lived in Salt Lake City. So then okay. I, I ended up here. <laughs> oh, wow. And you have lived there ever since. 
Uh, I did like chunks. I did like probably four years here, but I like would travel a lot. But then I ended up in Breckenridge, Colorado for three years. But now I've been back here for like five again. Okay. And then from there, like how did the whole competitive snowboarding and stuff, how did that start and how did your career progress from there? Yeah. Uh, well, it was still just kind of, I didn't know how to get it done, but I just went to Breckenridge and kind of hung around all of the pro snowboarders that were on, you know, the regional teams and like the Olympic teams. And was just like, I'm just going to train with them and follow them around and just kind of see what's going on. And I didn't have the money for a coach. So my best friend, Micah was my coach. <laughs> and, that's amazing. Yeah. She would help me out and be at the start of contests with me. So that's kind of like how it started. I just was like seeing all of the amazing riders around me, especially women. And I was like, I want to do that. Like, I don't, I don't know how, but I'm going to figure it out. And yeah, I kind of just one year, I just put all my eggs in one basket. It was like the Olympic qualifier year. And I was like, I'm just going to go for it. Like I've, I have nothing to lose here. Uh, but that, yeah, that was my, my injury year. <laughs> Did you ever yeah. make it to the Olympics? No, no. I was like, yeah, it was definitely, I mean, the goal was to climb that mm -hmm. ladder. And yeah, I definitely was just like shattered when I couldn't, but you know, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so interesting. You also say like, oh, I had no idea how to get there. I just knew where I wanted to go. And that was something I talked to um, Barrett about in the last episode as well. Like this, having such a strong vision of what you want. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of athletes might have that. It's like, you don't know how to get there but you know the destination you know you want to go right and yeah I don't know and it's like the hard work and the will that you're just like I know I'm gonna figure it out like mm -hmm. I don't know how I'm gonna get there but I will figure it out and I mean I think our a lot of our parents who have athletes are just like you stress me out like I don't <laughs> but like we're just so sure in it we're like no we're we got it yeah <laughs> but I think it's so cool and it's something like I think a lot of other people can also learn about like in other aspects of life when you really want something whether it's career-wise or you know other goals in life just figure it out you just gotta start right mm -hmm. yeah. no it, it's wild I was even having that thought the other day I was just like I don't know my like athlete mentality like I might no longer be a competitive athlete on paper but I was just thinking how grateful I was for that time because it really did transition over into my way of life and thinking with just like being dedicated, having discipline, hard work, like getting over hurdles of life. Like it definitely like shaped my like way of thinking, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely feel the same way. Like growing up with that athlete mindset, you, I put it into a lot of other aspects of life. Like I want to give a TED talk. And I was like, I'm not sure how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> and then suddenly, boom. Well, it, yeah, it took a lot of hard work, but I figured it out, you know. For sure, yeah. You're just like I don't know. Like yeah. I write like ridiculous. I have like a vision board, and I always just write like ridiculous goals for myself. And like my roommates were looking at it one day, and they were like, "Dancing with the stars," and I was like, "I want to go on Dancing with the Stars." That is a goal I I support. They're like, "What?" That is amazing. Well, why not? That would be sick. You learn to dance. That would be great. Yeah, I want to dance. <laughs> yeah, that's just amazing. Well, 
If anyone from Dancing with the Stars listening, we, we, we got a competitor here. I love uh, that. Yeah. So that's like kind of your way into snowboarding. And you say then after that, you started competing and you're on your path to trying to go to the Olympics. And then your injury happens. Can you walk us through that? Yes. Uh, so 2016, as I've said, it was an Olympic qualifier year. I had all of these contests kind of booked out in like a four month span that you like have to be at. And I don't know, the, the snowboard world is you have to stack points at every stop. So basically if you miss a stop, you're just going to drop down instantly. And so in my head, I was already mentally going to all of these stops, no matter what. And my first contest was in Whistler in Canada. And I started out my year with a complete knockout. (laughs) And so that's how it started. And that was in like January. And then I went through February still competing, but like falling over like constantly, like just like tipping. And it would just be like these like little accumulative hits at every stop. Yeah, my my friends were just kind of like, you keep hitting your head. Like you need to take a break. You need to take a break. But I was like, I'm good. Mm -hmm. Like I don't keep, I was just like not even like looking that I was like definitely like off. Uh, And then- let's see, like maybe like two months goes by with kind of that happening. And I was at Winter Park, Colorado at one of the stops. And yeah, I like fell over on like the last big jump and completely just like goggles exploded, nose ring ripped out, like just like pretty, pretty ugly. But I like picked myself up, got off the side of the course, got back on the chairlift and was like, I'm going to take my second run. But Yeah, I had, but on the chairlift, it was like my ears were ringing. I couldn't really see. I felt really nauseous. I just like didn't feel right. I always like tell people, yeah, it was like my pop up was like one of my best friends. And I like definitely heard his voice in my head, which was kind of weird. And like I just heard a voice say, like, your brain is bleeding. Mm. And I went right to ski patrol and I said, I think my brain is bleeding. I think my brain is bleeding. And they were like, you're just concussed. You're fine. They took me down on a toboggan. I got checked out again. They said, you're concussed. Yeah, so, so they I just m- sent you home to rest. They just sent me home to rest. So I had like another injury where they thought I like, they thought I broke like a part of like my pelvis almost. They were more like concerned about that than mm-hmm. my head. Uh, but yeah, I went home for two weeks and my, I lived with like two of my best friends and they forced me to like a bunch of different doctors because they were like, she's slurring her words and she just doesn't seem right. But all of the doctors were like, she's probably just concussed still. Like she's, she's fine. So yeah, I went like two weeks. And, and then no fi- one at this time was like scanning your brain or anything. No. Okay. No brain scan, just all like kind of just like them making their own like self-diagnosis on me. And yeah, then I went to Jackson Hole, Wyoming for a film trip and that's where one of my roommates came with me and you know people were pointing the cameras at me and i was just like yelling at them for pointing a camera out at me and like causing these like weird mood swings that she was like what is going on like i've never seen her act like this mm-hmm. and at dinner one night i started like gagging a lot and i just like walked myself back to the hotel room cuz i was like i just don't feel right and as soon as we drove the 8 hours back home she like basically pushed me in the car and said, I'm taking you to the emergency room. And I like fought her in the parking lot. 
No way. And, I, and I'm like not an aggressive person. Like I'm like, yeah. And I like legit was, I was so mad at her. I like fought her. She walks me in. The doctor's like, it's now been like two weeks since that slam. And they're like, you seem fine. You're probably still concussed, but just in case we'll take a CAT scan. Mm-hmm. So I go in finally, take a CAT scan, comes back out and she's like ghost white. And it, she just kind of was saying, this is a, like, you're a miracle. You wouldn't have survived through the night. You have went two weeks with a bleeding brain. Like oh you have God. a, you have a guardian angel and you need to go immediately for brain surgery. Oh and my God. What, what, what goes through your head there? I was just like, I don't know. I was in such like a weird spot because I don't really remember the two weeks I was bleeding in the brain which really mm. freaks me out because I was driving a vehicle and doing like all of these things, but I wasn't really there. But I mean, I just remember being just terrified and my family was back East. So then they're like my biggest supporters, best friends. And I had to be like, Micah, can you call my family to tell them I'm going into brain surgery? And I knew like they were just going to be a complete mess about all of that. But I don't know. I definitely just kind of, I mean, what we've said earlier, you just kind of roll through the motions. Mm-hmm. Like, and they literally prepped you for surgery right there. Yeah. They were like, you have to go down to Denver. I was like an hour and a half from Denver. So I had to get into an ambulance. And then, yeah, they were just drugging me up like crazy because they were just like, we need to like sedate you. Like you cannot be like moving. Like we can't. It, I was like a big liability, I guess. And yeah, they ended up flying in like one of the top brain surgeons for my case. So they like sedated me for like 24 hours just to fly him in. Mm. Nuts. Yeah. <laughs> that is, wow, that's a crazy story. And then everything like, so your family managed to then come down and you go into surgery, I guess. And, and then how did that all go? Yeah, they... My parents like couldn't make it in time with like flights and everything like that. But yeah, I just always am like my friend Micah just had to sign my life away. And I'm like, you saved my life. And then you had to sign my life away. And I'm just, I'm always like, thank you. And she's like, no, I didn't save your life. I'm like, you really did. Like mm. you, you saved my life. But my mom ended up coming out, but my dad stayed at home because I guess I was calling him like nonstop. So mm. they tag teamed one of them on the ground, one of them would fly out. Okay. But yeah, I ended up getting the brain surgery and I don't remember really going in, but I remember when I woke up, I had like tubes of blood like coming out of my head and I like followed it up and was like, holy crap. Oh. Like, oh. and yeah, like a little like ball of blood hanging here, like just clipped to me and they were just draining it. And essentially if all of the blood didn't drain out, they were going to have to take a bigger chunk of my skull out and like go back in. <laughs> and oh, yeah, it, it was yeah. so scary. That's when it kind of hit me where I was like, what I think I was just like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. And that's when it definitely set in where I was like, this is serious. Yeah. Oh, that must be like yeah. such a horrifying uh, experience waking up there. And yeah. And then your mom and your friend was with you there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I had a bunch of people at my bedside, which was amazing, which made it definitely a lot easier. But yeah, I, that's like when the reality of, I don't know, you kind of like 
at least for me, I move through things with like comic relief, you know, or knowing Mm -hmm. that like, it's going to be okay. Like no Mm -hmm. matter what, like I'll, I'll get through it. But that was the one moment where I was like, this is going to be hard. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. And then what happens after that? How long were you unconscious before you kind of woke up after the surgeries? Uh, I was like, I definitely was like a miracle, like child with it. They said like I was maybe in the ICU for a week, ended up passing my walking, talking, cognitive test pretty quick. I went to the recovery floor for like another week. So yeah, probably like two weeks. And then that seems very fast. It was, it was nuts. Yeah. They were definitely just like, you passed that, like you've, you're bouncing back so quick. Um, but yeah, it was definitely just like, even the reality of like, they took, you know, I was wrapped up on my head and I didn't know what I looked like after. And they like unwrapped that on the recovery floor. And it's like half my head is shaved. Mm, And yeah, yeah, there's just like, I was like, Oh my gosh, I was like my hair. Oh no. And it just like, yeah, it was just so like gruesome looking, but I mean, I was like, yeah, I was on so many drugs that it was like, it's definitely in and out. Like I have memories that I can like vividly remember, but other ones I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then how long did it take you to recover from there before you kind of felt like maybe you had some kind of normal life back? Uh, let's see. Like what happened? I went home and my mom stayed out with me for another week, but I couldn't really do much. Like they didn't want me driving a vehicle yet. I was basically just like going for little walks and doing a coloring book. Mm. And that's where I kind of stayed for a couple of weeks till I went for my follow-up. And, but yeah, I mean, I pretty much, I want to say that happened. I strapped in that season already. Um, I want to, I want to say I went three months and then strapped in. And you were ready to go again. And I was like chucking myself at metal again which was wild. And everybody was like, you got to like be careful. But I was just like, still so hungry to like, come back from that. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, then I ended up kind of three months was when I started like having symptoms of my injury where it was like the depression, the anxiety, it hurt to move my eyes, I had ringing in my ears, I was getting just like really bad head pain all the time. Mm-hmm. And so, th- yeah, that hit like at the beginning of the winter, I'd say. Okay. And did you then realize you had to slow down or were you still, no, no, I need to go for my my goals? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I definitely slowed down and I ended up taking a little time off my snowboard because I realized the hard way that I had really bad PTSD, which sucked. And yeah. I just ended up having a really bad relationship with my snowboard and I didn't want that. So I just kind of was just, I'm just going to take time off. Yeah. How was that dealing with that? Like giving up your, you're kind of giving up that career that you have dreamt about since you're 12 pretty much. Right. And yeah. then dealing with all these, the brain injury, but also the mental parts that came with it. How, how did you deal with all that? Because I guess also just being an athlete ending a career, there can be a lot of like identity crisis coming with that and other, yeah. you know, depression or whatever, just coming from ending a career, but you're dealing with everything at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just exactly what you said. I went, 
I've never really experienced that bad of depression before. And I felt like I lost who I was. I didn't know what my life was going to look like. But the harsh reality was everybody's life kept going around me. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the hardest part was people were trying to be there for me. But I was just kind of watching them still go. And at the time, like everybody in Breckenridge is like, you know, they have something to prove, like they want to be a pro snowboarder. And I was just still watching that from my couch and was just like, like, I don't know. I think it like didn't set in until months after. And I was like, I can't believe this is happening. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I didn't know what to do pretty much. Yeah. I was given no resources for anything, like nothing with like what to expect, head pain. Like I was very lost in my recovery. Yeah. And, and did you then find some kind of solution did you start like taking charge with going to therapy or what what kind of did you do for from sure. there I want to say I went like two years kind of suffering in a way like I was definitely walking through the motions but I was not happy mm-hmm. and that's when I finally was just like you know what like I don't know where to go and I don't know what to do but you know that mentality kicked in where I was like this is not who I am and we need to figure this out Mm-hmm. And I don't care what I have to do, but this is not how I want to live a life. No. And what happened happened and there's nothing I can change. And mm-hmm. that's when I just, I started like Googling like anything that I could grab onto. And I actually found another nonprofit called Love Your Brain. Okay. Yeah. And they help people get through their TBI journey with yoga and meditation. Yeah. And mm-hmm. at the time I was like, I will literally try anything. And so I tried that and that really stuck. Like yoga really, really helped me and meditation really helped me. And that's, I kind of like started following that journey. And then I went down nutrition, changed the way I ate completely. Okay. And yeah, and then I I tried going, ironically, I tried going to a therapist and he basically Mm -hmm. was like, yeah, you're never going to snowboard again, is like what he said to me. And I was just like, yeah, F you. Oh, um, really? So he was not, all this work through this, he was just like... He was just like, it's not worth it. Like, he's just like, you literally just almost lost your life and now you want to, like, get back out there. And I'm like, yeah. Like, yes. you know, I do. And But he, honestly, to this day, I don't even remember who he was, but to this day, I'm just like, I have him to thank because by you telling me I was never going to live a life that I wanted to, like, lit a flame under my ass. <laughs> like, You're like, I'm going to prove you wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I was just like, no, like my yeah. life isn't my life isn't over mm-hmm. because I had a brain injury and I think that's what like a lot of like, you know, brain injury survivors like think. Like they think yeah. their life is over and I'm like, no. no. Because you were super me. young when it happened as well, right? I was 23. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like in the pinnacle of everything and I was just like, yeah, this is not it. Like I'm going to I don't know. I don't know what my life might look like, but I'm going to figure this out. <laughs> this age is also you're also trying to figure everything else out right like and yeah because my accident also happened when I was 19 and it's just it's confusing enough to be in your early 20s and then having to deal with stuff like this it must have been like really really challenging for you but I'm so happy to see that you find your way and how how did you then manage to get back on the snowboard yeah I'm like how I'm like how did I I don't (laughs) um I, it was for me, it was like the self work and figuring myself out because I was like, okay, I have bad PTSD, but obviously I can't find a therapist right now that's going to help me with that. 
So let's just like get our mood swings under control because I was like, I would see red. Like Mm. I would like, like I said, I'm not an angry person. And like, I would like see red and take it out on everybody around me. And then I would cry because I would feel so bad. Mm -hmm. And once I would like come to, I'd be like, holy crap, what just happened? And I didn't love that. So I just kind of, yeah, took a step back and was like, I'm going to do the self-work, heal and see what this looks like. But I basically, yeah, the yoga, meditation, nutrition was the kickstart. And then I ended up, I still had a lot of like head pain Mm -hmm. and I moved back to Salt Lake because I just had to get out of that environment where people were just like pushing, pushing, pushing. I was like, I need to, I need to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And just like think. So I moved back to Salt Lake, but I was still having pain like four years out. I was still dealing with head pain, okay. but I was living a life. Like I was like, I was bartending and still like snowboarding here and there. Um, but I actually found a treatment facility in Salt Lake that is like a one week boot camp. And it's like $10,000, but there was another nonprofit that was giving out grants. Mm, and so I applied for a grant to get this treatment done and I got approved and I like yeah I have them to thank because I was just like I just remember crying on my front porch to my mom being like I need this treatment and I don't have ten thousand dollars because I just could feel I was like I know that like the life that I've been living is still not the life that I can live Mm -hmm. and it sucks that money is what's holding me back from that but yeah, I ended up getting that grant and I went and had the treatment done and all of my symptoms went away. Oh my God. And what <laughs> did they do on the retreat? It was like, it's a lot of just like, it's like occupational therapy, cognitive therapy, physical therapy. So it's like a week straight of just like drilling your mm. brain. So like they basically refire the neurons that are dead. Oh wow. And so it must've been really hard as well. Oh, it was like, I was like nauseous daily because Mm. you're just like pushing. But I was just like, you know what? Like somebody gave me the money for this and I'm so grateful and I'm giving this my all and Mm -hmm. let's just see what comes out of it. But like, yeah, like NFL players go there and some like professional snowboarders have gone there as well. Yeah. And had like very good um, treatment and positive feedback. So I was like, I'm going to do it. But yeah, that's kind of where like I came out of that and that's when like the flame for snowboarding, like I was still going here and there, but like I was like forcefully doing it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, yeah. Yeah. I wasn't like going because I wanted to, I just felt like I had to, mm-hmm. but then after my treatment, I started like really kind of like redefining myself and snowboarding again, which was fun. Oh, that's amazing. So then you just started getting into it again, doing just like free riding. Did you start competing again or just more enjoying the free ride? Yeah, no, just like was looking at it differently. Like, of course, my discipline used to be freestyle and the park, but I was just like, okay, well, I don't want to do that again now that I've had time off and I can't really afford to smoke my head again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I just went through like four grueling years of trying to feel good and now I feel good. Yeah. And so I was just like, I just want to ride my snowboard and learn the backcountry and like ride the mountain and just like look at it differently. Yeah. And that's what I started doing. And I fell back in love with snowboarding again, which was so like so cool. Yeah. And I know that while you're also going through all this, you 
also decided to share your story and put mm -hmm. awareness on traumatic brain injury and while you're still having these four traumatic years, I guess, and yeah. showing, you know, sharing your story is also sharing a lot of, of vulnerability because, you know, after my accident, I just didn't want to talk about it for many, many years. Yeah. Um, but you did. Was it always easy for you to kind of open up about it and share it? And, and why was that important to you? It definitely was not easy. I would go back and forth being like, should I share this? Should I not share this? Is this too much? But I think at the end of the day, I was like, you know, speak your truth. And this happened to you. It was not easy. But for me, I just kind of was like, this is the number one injury in the world. And a lot of athletes suffer from it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, if I could help anyone under like understand it or just like care about their brain or make them feel like they're not alone. That was what I was doing it for because I felt alone. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm going to share my story in high hopes that I can find that community to relate to because yeah. it was, it was just like, I was like, nobody should have to go through that alone. No. And I guess it's so many sports it's not just snowboarding that this mm -hmm. happens so many different sports i was you know one of the earlier episodes i did with nick youngquist who was a professional rugby player suddenly started also getting seizures far yeah. long after he finished his career and suddenly realized that he was also having brain injury yeah so it just shows that it's so many different sports and through sharing your story did you then did people start reaching out to you who had been in similar situations? So, Yeah, I had a bunch of strangers reaching out and I was like, this is nuts. Like strangers have no one to reach out to. So they're, you know, they, they're reaching out to me. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, this is like, this has to change. Yeah. And I actually, I created an Instagram account named it Save a Brain. And yeah. what the goal was of that was just to share education because mm -hmm. I was like, we need to learn about this yeah, and we can learn together and I'm going to learn along the way. And yeah, I had it for a year just as like an educational Instagram platform. That's amazing. So just like as a place where people who reached out to you, you could be like, yep. hey, I'm, I want to create a community of doing that. I think it's so amazing. You know, that's also a big part of my story about you know, when I finally shared it, that I also just got so many messages from people all over the world and who just suddenly open up to you about something they've been mm -hmm. going through. And, and yeah, and it's, it's such an amazing thing that you finally share your story and you find that people can actually find inspiration in that. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it really touches you. And yeah, I'm just always saying, I'm like, I have all of those people to thank mm -hmm. that, you know, believed in, or like trusted me and reached out because I'm like, they're the reason why like my life has geared in a different direction. Like without people like feeling comfortable, like I don't know which mm -hmm. way I would have gone. No, exactly. And this, you know, you started this Instagram account, Save a Brain, mm -hmm. which is now your nonprofit. Yeah, which is, that's such a cool story. I would love to hear more about so what happened after the Instagram account? You just was like, okay, now I'm just going to start a nonprofit. What, how do you start a nonprofit? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big journal person. And so, yeah, I did the Instagram for a year and had like such good support on that end. And I just kind of kept thinking like, I can do more. Mm -hmm. I can do more here. Like there's a massive void to fill. 
And I was just kind of like dissecting it on how we could fill the space. And I actually went to go get my yoga teacher training certificate because at first I thought I could like kind of like what helped me, like I could help people in that way, did that. But during my yoga teacher training, I realized, no, we have to be a nonprofit. And I was like, we can have the most impact if we are a nonprofit. And again, I didn't know how the heck I was going to get there. I was like, I know nothing about this. Like, all I did was run an Instagram account for a year and I have no idea how to do this. But I don't know. I just always say, like, I just kind of like had faith and believed that it would work out. And it, the doors just ended up opening and lining up where in my yoga teacher training, I like voiced out to my class that I wanted to make Save a Brain a nonprofit. And my teacher was like, oh, I have a friend who is an attorney that can help you start the nonprofit. And I was like, what? (laughs) That's so cool. And then, yeah, he ended up just being like amazing. And it, it took trial and error because I had no idea what I was doing, making a business plan. And I'm like, I don't even know what's happening. But I ended up getting my like three best friends on board and we started it together. And we ended up just like building a group of like board of directors that believed in us and medical advisory board of clinics just mm-hmm. from my own personal experience and yeah a couple months later we got our we got our certificate finally passed with the state the month that covid hit <laughs> oh really wow. yeah. i was like yeah uh, great start <laughs> yeah. i was like we made it <laughs> yeah just pre-covid yeah uh, but yeah i was like oh here we go oh, as yeah. if, like that that wasn't hard enough now mm-hmm. it's gonna be very hard. And it was funny because people just kept being like, starting it isn't the hardest part. Like mm-hmm. once you get it started, you're going to have to figure that out. Yeah. And they were so true. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. But I think it's coming back again to this, what we talked about in the beginning, like having that vision and that goal and just be like, mm-hmm. well, this is what I want to do. I'm going to figure it out. And yeah, and I was, I also believe that you know, saying things out loud, this is what I want to do. It creates some kind of commitment, right? And then you had your yoga teacher suddenly was like, oh, I'll help you out. And and I yeah. always say that like, no, I like I'm I don't keep my goals to myself. I always say them out loud because yeah, <laughs> it, it like I've then I feel more committed to them. I don't know if it makes sense. No, it does. That's a real thing. I think I'm the same way. I'm like, I want to do this. And then it's all I think about. And I don't know. I mean, yeah, going looking back on it, I'm just like, it was all just truly meant to be. And it was not easy. But, you know, we, I just kept like, my dad just kept being like, even if you help one person, mm-hmm. like, just think about that. Like, even if you help one person, and now, I don't know, to see us grow and expand, I'm like, this is so cool. Like, it's yeah. bigger than I thought what it could have been by now. Yeah. And how big and what do you do in Save a Brain today? Like, where is the, the nonprofit today? Yeah, so May is our three-year mark. <laughs> We've made it three oh, years. Congratulations. I, I know. I know. It's really cool. And um, But, yeah, we have our hands in, like, a lot of different pots, which is sweet because, obviously, feeling the void of this invisible injury in this world is, like, so wide. And we've just kind of been like, where do we start? And so we started with 
our Happy Helmets program, which donates brand new helmets every month to nonprofits and youth programs. Mm -hmm. And that's been going now for like two years. It's our longest program and we've donated over 2000 helmets. Oh, that's so right. Yeah, which is really cool. And then we made our concussion guide that's for eight-year-olds and up to understand. So little Johnny can maybe read it and educate himself or like if his parents don't know what to look out for, he can give that to them and they can educate themselves because that's a big part of it as well. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, we do like we're implementing helmet checks at a lot of like slope style competitions just so athletes can perform at the highest level safely. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, there we, will be some helmets out there that is not good enough for. Oh yeah, some are like cracked, and I'm like, you were gonna go off with that? Like oh. I'm like, you were about to hit a 70 foot jump with that cracked helmet? Oh. I'm like, but yeah. it's like you don't you don't think about it, and I don't know. That's kind of like what we're doing. Like I looked at my team, and I was just like, you know, brain injuries are like, I don't know, they're like the black sheep of injuries in this world and nobody wants to talk about them because they're scary. And I was like, are you ready to shake shit up? Because we're going to have to shake in a way that like we want people to learn. And we just like, you know, if you don't want to wear a helmet, that's like your own decision, Yeah. but at least educate yourself. Yeah. And know what what that means. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm like, if my friends did not know what to look out for, I would not be here today. Exactly. And it's like life or death in that way. So yeah, we're just like education right now is like our biggest like yeah. tool. Mm-hmm. That's, that's amazing that this nonprofit now is running so well in three years. Yeah. Congrats for that. And, um, Thank you. Yeah. It's I, very, very character building. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. And, and just like to come back to you a little bit, how, how are you feeling today and how, how is a normal day in Kelsey's life look like nowadays? <laughs> yeah, I mean, my life has definitely went in a direction that I didn't even know was possible, which is really cool. And I'm just kind of always like, I'm grateful now for my, like for my injury. And it's definitely taught me and made me more self-aware and it led me to save a brain, which I'm so grateful for. But it wasn't always like that. <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I... I don't know. Saver Brains allowed me to like still be in the industry and expand yeah. to other industries and impact people that way, which is cool. Like now we're involved with like surfing and yeah. mountain biking and just like skateboarding and all of these different industries that I now get to be a part of and kind of, you know, they welcome me in open arms. But yeah, I've been just kind of like, I don't know, grinding full time on that. And yeah, snowboarding like the most that I ever have in my whole life this past season. Oh, that's so great to hear. Yeah, Yeah. I definitely, I mean, like, I would say like once, (laughs) once a season, I have like a mental breakdown where I like wish I didn't have to worry about hitting my head, Mm. but they used to be a lot more. And I think it's just like, I don't know. I think that will always be there for me. Like you're always going to grieve your old self and your old life. And I just now kind of step in. I just lean into it and I cry it out. And then I'm like, tomorrow's a new day. <laughs> yeah. And just trying to be grateful that you can still snowboard, I guess. Yes. Well. Yeah. 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 So I think for me, it's just been like focusing on save a brain and focusing on my own like mental health and brain health and mm-hmm. just trying to make sure I'm strong and yeah, just do what makes me happy. Yeah. And 
like now you talked about already, you have these fears around, you know, falling again, stuff like mm-hmm. that. But like, because my next question was actually about if you still have, like, if you experience fears sometimes and how you deal with those fears, if you can elaborate yeah. a bit more on that. Yeah, no, I mean, that's been like one of my biggest things that I have been wanting to talk more about because I feel like people look at me and they're like, oh, she looks fine. Like, look at her. She's like crushing it. And I'm just like, that is not how it is. And I definitely want people to like know that as well, just like with people with brain injuries, like it's not what you always see. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like I go to a lot of snowboard events now that all of my friends are still at and completely sending it. And I'm just like, I still love getting airtime. I still get airtime. Yeah. (laughs) And I will jump off if there's powder. That's kind of like my two things that I do. And, but I still always have the fear. Like every day I strap in, Mm -hmm. I'm always trying not to hit my head. Yeah. And it's just like, I've now lived with it and I definitely like work through it. And I think for me, it's been like being present in the moment. Like if I'm about to jump off of something and I'm like scared, I'm like, what am I scared of? Yeah. And I'm just like, is that just like something, you know, is that my brain just making it up or is that like an actual fear? And I just like all, I don't know, anytime it happens now, I just, I repeat like a mantra to myself, but I just say like, be where your feet are. Okay. Yeah. And I just like to be where my feet are, take it in. Yeah. Because like before, I think like with all my fears, I would just like, you know, spiral. Yeah. And that's what would cause all of my like mood swings. Mm, okay. But now I can like, I can like really identify when I'm about to like have, like have one. And yeah. now I can just be like, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, we're, we're okay. Yeah. I know. It's just like this being aware, right? Like being aware that, okay, this is happening. I am gonna just focus on being in the present. I'm just gonna focus going yes. down this thing. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Which is cool because I never like used to, I don't know, I wasn't like as self-aware before my injury. And I'm just like, that's like the biggest thing it taught me was like how to be self-aware because if I would be too stressed out, I would get head pain. Mm. Um, It would lead to those mood swings. Like it would just like really like cause a lot of pain. Yeah. And so I really had to learn to just be like, who saw? We need to ground. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Back to basic. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, you are here. Yeah. Well, but I think it's a great advice because I think for everybody, if you have experienced something or not, it's sometimes we t- try to be thousand places at the same time, you know, with, oh, we're, we're yeah. so available to get accessed all the time that mm-hmm. I think it's so important sometimes to just be like, you know, just be here, <laughs> just be where you are right yeah. now and, and focus on that. Right. Yeah. And like, I don't know, one of the biggest things is like, be true to yourself. Mm-hmm. Like for me, it was like, why? I don't know. I always felt like a lot of pressure. And I was just like, why are you putting so much pressure on yourself? Like, you're not doing this professionally anymore. And yeah, how else? I don't know. How else can you make an impact in this world? And I don't know, to this day, I'm like, I think I could make a better, a bigger impact with Save a Brain than I ever could with just my snowboard career. Mm-hmm. And now I get to do both. Yeah. And I don't know, I get to be a role model for people with brain injuries that like your life doesn't have to end. Like there is life after it and you can do things and it just it just takes some time. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's amazing. Like, that's a crazy story, but amazing how you managed to, you know, get out of it. And I would also say in a relatively short time, like six years can sound like a lot, but I think for what mm-hmm. you accomplished and how you went through that, it's it's a really, you know, short time. I can't imagine what you can accomplish the next six years with Save a Brain. I'm really excited to follow it. And now I would also like to ask you something I ask all the athletes on the podcast is what do you do every day to take care of your mental health? Do you have a routine? Do you have something that you do every day? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely when I when I travel, it's it's hard to do. But when I'm at home, I usually wake up and I just kind of plop onto my floor and I do like five minutes of meditation and five minutes of just stretching mm-hmm. just to like check in with myself. And yeah, no phone in the morning for me. But yeah, I would say just just that doing five minute meditation, five minute stretch. Yeah, that's that's my morning routine. Chug of water. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, again, I'm now I'm saying it again. Everybody I asked this question mentioned their morning routine. I love it. It's like <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's so it's so important. Yeah, but I think you know, and I think it's also for athletes. We're so like okay, we just have to start the day good and get mm-hmm. maybe also like, I like to do my exercise in the morning and yep. and, and stuff like that. So, so that's a great advice. And, yeah. and I also hear more and more people about, uh, also telling me here in the podcast to like, they don't look at their phone for the first hour in the morning. They try mm-hmm. to, to have that space just to themselves without getting yeah. all these distractions, right? No, I think it's so important to just like wake up and be with yourself and notice how you're feeling and think about what you want to do in the day. And that's mm-hmm. a crucial. And I'd also like to ask you, do you have any, it can be an athlete, a non-athlete, someone you really look up to or someone who has really inspired you? It could be like on the journey or now or, or just in general. Oof, that's a hard one. I uh, like, let me think. There's definitely been like a lot of people that I pull inspiration from and I'm so grateful because I'm surrounded with like the most badass group of women in snowboarding and I look up to them. Everybody's like doing their own thing and even just like my close group of friends around me, I'm just like you guys are so sick. I'm like <laughs> I'm like you were just doing the coolest things, but I definitely I also pull a lot of inspiration from people that have done incredible things like Kobe Bryant mm-hmm. has I listen to a lot of his podcasts and yeah I just kind of hear how like I don't know how greatness thinks and mm-hmm. what they do and but it's like I definitely pull like a lot of different inspiration from people yeah and but yeah like I don't know if you know Jay Shetty have you know he he runs like one of the like number one like oh, mental po- health podcast. podcast yeah 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 yeah. i listened so, to that what is it called again um is it just a life, on, life, life on purpose yeah i heard that one yeah it's great but i listen to like one a day oh and that's amazing yeah yeah just like i don't know people that have done like incredible impactful things in the world i just always take something from anything that they've said because i'm like how okay how do i do that mm-hmm like how can I be better and how can I like make a difference and yeah anyone who's achieved great things I'm like just pulling from each of them (laughs) yeah yeah it was great like having that inspiration and I think it's always so important also you know to have these people to look up to and Mm -hmm. be humble and say oh I can learn so much from them and 
Yeah. 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 I'm like a sponge. I'm like, I'm just like, I'm like, just, I'm like, oh, I'm like, you wake up at 4 a.m. Okay. I'll try it. I'm like, tomorrow. Literally, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was like, oh, 4 a.m. That's, that's a bit early. They say, like, I've, I've read some statistic that was like 60% of like the most successful people wake up at 4 a.m. Okay. That's, and, I can, I can and be like 5.30, but. Yeah, well, I know four. I'm like, mm, that's yeah. a, I'll I'll try again eventually. Yeah, but I'll be like, well, then I have to go to bed at seven. <laughs> yeah, they say like the happiest, most successful is four a.m. And I was like, hmm, uh, prove it. I need yeah. proof. Clearly, yeah. though, there's there's definitely a, there's a method to the madness of yeah. people achieving things. And yeah, it's every formula is different. I think. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'll have to read up on those statistics. Yeah. I'm gonna give that a go. <laughs> um no Kelsey it was so nice to hear your story and thank you so much for sharing your vulnerability with us and just um sharing all your knowledge about like brain injury as well I know uh, maybe there's some listeners here who would love to you know follow you or follow save a brain um so maybe you can just like let, let us know where we can follow you yeah I my my Instagram account is just Kelsey Boyer. Uh, Saver Brains is Saver Brain. Okay, easy. <laughs> and yeah, I know. And but yeah, for Saver Brain, you could follow us. We have like our YouTube channel. We do education with TikTok, Instagram, all all the good stuff. We're like, if people are going to be scrolling through their phone, we might as well tr- give them good. Yeah, educate them and give them good stuff to learn. Yeah, that's a great versus idea. just aimlessly scrolling. So yeah, and. Then our website is saverbraininc.com. Okay, cool. But I'll put all the handles in the description as well so people can can go click on it. And um, yeah, I think, is there anything here in the end you'd like to say? Anything you think we didn't come across you'd like to share? No, I, I mean, thank you for having me. And I think we covered it. And yeah, I mean, if anyone's listening to this that is wants to learn about brains or just is suffering from a brain injury, like please follow us because you do not have to go through that alone and that's why we're here mm-hmm. yeah but thank you thank you for having me no thank you so much for, for sharing your story here i'm really honored you want to share it with me no of course thank you mm-hmm.